0: This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi with you Tuesday afternoon. Rare Tuesday, at least for the last few months, where we don't have any baseball to talk about coming up this evening. Sports talk brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, you can find them at mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. At Mississippi Land Bank, they've been financing land and refinancing land for over 100 years. That's why they say they know the lay of the land, providing the financing and refinancing solutions for families, individuals, and groups that want to buy rural land and then need to finance the purchase or get equipment to maintain the land or loans for production or livestock loans or other related financial needs. Mississippi Land Bank, you can find their branch locations on the website at mslandbank.com. .com. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Borky, what's up? Oh, you know, just getting ready for
2: some whiny NBA basketball tonight. Whiny NBA basketball?
1: Is yeah, all we do so, now, so now,
2: now the the black helicopters are out because the, the ref that is officiating Game 2 between the Rockets and uh, Golden State, they have both teams have had beef with him in the past, like significant official beef. So now it, it's gone from, wow, this series should be great, to... Man, James Harden's complaining a lot, too. Oh, no, here we go. Not even excited anymore because both teams are just going to whine and complain and flop around the court the entire night because they have this ref that they both seem to believe is out to get them. So this will be wonderful.
1: Two games tonight in the NBA playoffs. Boston's at Milwaukee. Boston leads that series 1-0, and Houston is down a game. So it's Golden State one Houston nothing. At games at nine thirty tonight on TNT. The first game gets started at seven. So yeah, I mean, you know, you've been telling me how great the playoffs are gonna be, and now we're there and you tell me you're not even interested anymore. I,
2: and I'm still gonna watch it. I just I, I am much more excited about Boston Milwaukee tonight than I am Houston Golden State, just because you know the charade going into Houston Golden State. It's the focal point's not gonna be on basketball. And that's the thing that has killed me about the NBA is for some reason more attention is paid on not basketball. And tonight is another example of that. You've got what could be a good playoff game, and now all day anybody can talk about is a ref
1: conspiracy. It's mm. a shame. Sixers won in Toronto last night, 94-89. Jimmy Butler had 30-10 and 10 for Philadelphia to lead the way. That series is now even at a game apiece. Headed back to the city of brotherly love. Trailblazers, Nuggets last night. Nuggets got uh, got the win in Game 1 of that series in Denver, 121-113. to 113.
3: And all you guys picked Portland, didn't you?
1: Still stand by that.
3: Okay.
0: We did picks on that?
3: I think so, too, but I was actually a lot more impressed with Denver than I thought. But that game's going to be a different world like every single game it goes to. Okay. Weird series.
1: We didn't do official picks just when we were talking about it. Excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh <laughs> Sorry we, I bore you so much, Richard. Jeez. No, I couldn't help it. It was one of those that started, and then I thought it was going to be a quick yawn, and then it like wouldn't stop and wouldn't stop. And so I just had to pause for a second. thought it was going to be silent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one of those. Um No, we didn't make official picks on it, but when we talked a little bit about that series last weekend, it seemed to me like the consensus was Damian Lillard in Portland and probably, you know, Not a lot of question about it. I don't think I was on the show for that. Okay, fair enough.
0: But I I would have picked Portland, so I
1: don't feel... What what are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) The contrarian, Brian Haydad. What's up, man? What's going on, man? How are you? No baseball tonight, which is strange. I mean, we, we go back to the first week of the season, and it's like basically every Tuesday night, sometimes a Wednesday night, sometimes Tuesday and Wednesday night. Mississippi State is done with their midweek games. Ole Miss has got two remaining. Uh, the state has one Miss...
0: left. Oh, they do have one left. They have. They play Memphis next uh, Wednesday.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Fair enough. So not much midweek baseball remaining no, no. at uh, at this point. Um, we do have a bunch to get into this afternoon. Uh, we will dive deeper into some of what was said yesterday in a uh, a court setting. In New York, in this basketball trial that's ongoing, that is seemingly trying hard to pull football into the uh, into the mix as well. Uh, some baseball conversation as we look ahead to the uh, to the weekend. Uh, RPI and hosting chances: Is Mississippi State a lock as a national seed? Are they a lock to host? What about Ole Miss? They're not a lock for either of those right now. But what's the road to getting there? And what does RPI say about all of that? We'll take a look at uh, some more draft stuff, and uh, we will grade the Saints and Cowboys draft classes. Obviously, a lot of Saints fans, a lot of Cowboys fans here in the uh, the state of Mississippi. From the Athletic, Larry Holder will join us, covers the New Orleans Saints, and also uh, Luke Johnson joins us to talk some Southern Miss stuff this afternoon as well. So a lot to get to, Um, and I learned today that Larry Holder used to work for the Sun-Herald down there on the coast. So
2: he was he? uh he was doing media in Mississippi a long time ago but yeah
3: friends oh, okay. on the coast
2: may be familiar with that name. And you're a big fan of his work, right? I really like him and then the
1: guy that yeah, they hired good. to
2: cover basketball is also really good. So for a small market in, in just hiring two guys, they they did a pretty good job picking those two.
1: Seems like the Athletic is kind of continuing to do well. There there were people that were not sure if it was going to if it was going to work. Is I mean, has everybody kind of given up on the idea of whether it will or won't work, and just kind of accepted the fact that this is going to work and people are going to pay for it? Basically, well, I think you're
3: going to find out in the next nine to twelve months because yeah. they got all that backing. But eventually, the you know, people are going to want to return on the investment.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I pay like five bucks a month, so you need what twelve thousand of me to pay one guy's salary, maybe? So how many, how many? I mean, how many people do they have on staff? Uh, they
1: twelve thousand of, of you at five dollars a pop is sixty thousand a month. That's okay, like a guy no, and sorry. a half.
0: I screw that up. A yeah. month. Stop. Stop it. I see what you're trying to do.
1: Uh,
0: but yeah, I mean, they got a lot of guys on that's staff. That's
1: seven hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. Okay.
0: <laughs> I think they're paying. That's ten guys. <laughs> I need to send my resume to the athletic then. I know. i based on what I've told some people what they're making there. That's why, like, maybe like ten to twelve salaries. They've got 200-plus okay. people on staff.
1: Okay. So they've got to do, you know. You
0: want to do the math. You feel free.
1: Yeah, I won't do the math right now, but I, I guess what I'm saying is, I mean, across the entire country, given the number of markets they're in, I mean, is it crazy to think that they've got 100,000 subscribers?
0: It's pro- that's probably a good number, but that's not a lot. That's not a lot when you're paying out that much in salary every month. Just You're going to have to trust me on this one. About startups and uh and how money gets squandered sometimes just just it can't happen so you gotta you know they get i i like the athletic i'm a big fan of their product but i mean until they start you know making money that isn't from venture capital you gotta you gotta give them a little bit of a of a of a, of a second look
1: yeah well, that's fair um what is it what is it What is the subscription cost for that I think it's, I think I'm is, pretty sure I'm paying. Is five it five? A month. I mean, they, they run specials from time to time, but I mean, what it ranges from like five to nine dollars a month, something along those lines. I
0: got on when Will Salmon went over there. You know, he's a friend from being up here on the MSU beat. I decided to to subscribe, and he had he had some promo code that got like forty percent off or something. So yeah, I think I pay five bucks a month. Yeah, I'm three ninety nine somehow. Yeah,
3: I did the yearly, but I don't remember what it cost.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of I I think I did a yearly subscription, and I've never thought of it again. It's one of those things where if I click on a link, I want to be able to read the article. And so don't hit me up. Let me just do it one time and be done with it and, and move on. Yeah. So I guess we'll see because the content that they're putting out is it's fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, there, there, there's thing. nothing out there that is consistently comparable to The Athletic. Especially, right. it, it, I know
2: it sounds silly, but the fact that when you open up a story and you don't have to scroll through ads, and you don't have to get by pop-ups and autoplay videos and that kind of stuff. When you open up a story, the only thing you see is the story. That's it. And going to other websites, major sports websites, where a video plays and if your computer's on volume, you wake up everybody around you, hmm. it, you don't get that stuff. Yeah. No,
1: I, I, I understand that.
0: But by that is, same token... That's where they're lacking in terms of revenues. They don't have any ads. It's all subscription, so
1: Yeah. That's tough. Well, I mean, Netflix has got its own issues that that are happening because they're losing content in large part because of Disney and, and Hulu. But are people dropping Netflix like crazy because their prices once every year or two bump up a couple of dollars? I'm not. I'm
2: somehow still on the student plan. <laughs> I haven't been a student for five years, but... I'll say it
1: out loud. My prices remain the same. Yeah, and then... And, uh, OM Rebel Yell hits us up on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter feed. He says, interesting talk about The Athletic when ESPN announced that ESPN, the magazine, is closing. Well... 21 years of ESPN, the magazine, and it's coming to an end. Print edition... The print edition, they'll continue to do the online content and long form work. It'll just be available online. Does anybody still get ESPN the magazine in the mail though? I don't. I used to.
2: I get all my magazines on my iPad. Golf Digest just uploads to my iPad.
1: i read it there. <laughs> you can text the show on the C Spire Text line, six oh one-eight seven nine four three nine five. Let's talk dive in and talk some baseball next. Well, it appears that I need to apologize. I kind of made light of something yesterday that, frankly, I know nothing about, other than what the social media platforms that are out there, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and the like, tell me. Uh, From Hunter. I listened to your show on Monday the 29th, and I'm a pretty regular listener on my way home from work. Thanks, Hunter. I had not had the chance to see the latest Game of Thrones, and am pretty upset that you decided to spoil it for others during your show. How can you go from discussing the fast food feast President Trump is hosting to revealing a major plot point of a story two decades in the telling in the same breath. That's impressive. Sharing the death of a main antagonist of a new episode, not even 24 hours old, on live radio, all while adding nothing to the conversation. I feel cheated. I have a lot of time invested in this story. And for you to just spoil it like that for other listeners and myself is very inconsiderate. I just wanted you to know that your actions made at least one person's day that much worse. It's almost a day later, and I'm still pissed off.
3: <laughs> the last sentence is the best part. What? The last sentence is the best part. It's a day and a half later, and I'm still pissed off. Hunter. Hunter, I have a feeling a dragon is going to die next episode for every episode afterward, so you well, can't watch it. two, anymore. and there's
2: three episodes, so that doesn't really work
1: out.
3: Uh, we'll but, figure it sorry out. Sorry for ruining there, it, Hunter. There's a new dragon.
1: Well, I mean, I'm more sincere than Rippy when I apologize. I was not trying to ruin anything for anybody. And, Hunter, i got to say, the thing that I'm most impressed with, and please, please understand, Hunter, if you're listening, the next time I watch 30 seconds of Game of Thrones will be the first time that I've watched anything. But your ability to completely unplug from the entire world yesterday during a work day and not know anything and not have heard anything about Game of Thrones is most impressive to me. I I don't know what you do for a living. I don't know if you sit in front of a computer or you have Twitter on your phone or... Instagram or anything else like that, or if you interact with any other human beings during the course of your workday, but if you interact with other people or you happen to open up Twitter or Instagram at any point during the day yesterday, even for somebody like me who's never watched a second of Game of Thrones, have no issue with people that do, good for you. Find something you like, watch it. But I've never watched a second of it, and I feel like I know the story, or at least kind of know what was happening. So I hope you are able to watch last night and get caught up, and we didn't mess it up well, for you. Two-term. You couldn't go onto the internet.
2: Every website, ESPN, the front page was, this player reacts to Arya Stark killing the Night King. Oh, there it is again, uh, on Game of Thrones last night. Hey,
1: Borky, CBS, it's possible that there's somebody listening that has not yet heard the... Um, Ending and you just ruined it for them.
2: Um you did that all day yesterday. Don't start with me. No, but I'm Darth saying Vader that it's Luke's possible
3: that
1: there's somebody that's no. listening today. If you're, there, that
3: to you. if you're out there that applies to you, email Richard a day and a half later.
1: Rosebud was his sled. I get a text from buddy that says easy, not everybody's on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or I, the I, I internet at all. Yeah, but if you have I mean, my like, mom's any... not,
0: but she doesn't watch Game of Thrones either.
1: Yeah. Okay. So anyway, sorry I ruined it. I thought it was kind of impressive that I had some level of pop culture knowledge uh, about something that I otherwise didn't know anything about
3: yesterday. Just for clarification purposes, I'm pretty sure this happened in the 3 o'clock hour and the Trump thing was in the 5 o'clock hour. That's one long breath.
1: Well, I must have mentioned it again in the 5 o'clock hour.
3: I don't think it had happened yet.
1: What hadn't happened yet?
3: The fast food thing. No, I'm saying when we
1: went, we talked about it in a, extensively in the three o'clock hour, and then somehow I made some random reference in the five o'clock hour when Hunter was on his way home from work.
3: Don't ever do that again. You think Aria likes Chick Fil A. <laughs>
1: uh, anyway, my bad. I, I should do, give like a. Uh, but see, I wouldn't even know to. Be, it's not like I could say. Hey, if you haven't seen this episode of Game of Thrones, you might want to tune out right now because I'm going to talk about it. We could get like a I siren. Can't, I can't spoilers. talk about it. Is this a poll you just put up, Borgie?
2: Yeah. Are you a jerk for spoiling Game of Thrones on yesterday's show?
1: That's the poll today.
0: I am going to vote no.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter poll is Richard Cross STM. A jerk for saying what happened on Game of Thrones on yesterday's show. yes or no comma watch it live
3: should You're, have been yes or yes uh yeah
1: I voted no he was not a jerk
2: I, I voted no there. I mean it's it's a live event just like a game if you want us to talk about games on Monday you got to let us talk about Game of Thrones on Monday watch it live they're
0: both technically games
1: yeah I voted yes just because <laughs> I I'm all for um carrying on the uh, the idea that I'm a jerk
2: There's a heart in there somewhere.
1: It's all about the brand, Richard. Protect your brand. Yeah, I understand. Um, I'll tell you, I was a jerk this morning. Didn't mean to be. Overslept. Forgot to set my alarm. My wife didn't wake me up to help with the kids. Okay, by the way, I'm 38 years old. My wife shouldn't have to wake me up to help get the kids ready and out the door to school. I should be able to do that. Partner, uh, uh, fellas... I woke up at 8.07 this morning. The house was quiet. I, I, I don't know what planet I'm on. I am immediately convinced that it's Saturday. Hey, are we going to breakfast as a family? Wait, where is everybody? I get out of bed, peek out the window. Jane's car's gone. I said, oh, wait, it's not Saturday, is it? Nope, nope, not Saturday. She's taking care of the kids. So I you know, jerk twice. Jerk for mentioning Game of Thrones, somebody dying, and uh, for not helping out on the way to school this morning.
0: Snape kills Dumbledore. There's another spoiler for you guys. Was
1: that a Harry Potter reference? It was.
3: Richard is like that guy that ruined the premiere for one of those books. Everyone gathered outside of Walmart or whatever, and he got one of the like early releases they had in a contest, just got on stage and started reading. Is that wrong? That's That's overkill. Yeah, uh, like I said, let's talk a little uh, a
1: little baseball. The RPI right now, how about the SEC? 2 three, four, five, 9 14 17 19 21 All SEC schools. UCLA is the number one overall team in the country in RPI, followed by Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Georgia, and Mississippi State. East Carolina at 6, who Mississippi State has a win against and um, Ole Miss has a loss to. Louisville's at 7, Georgia Tech at 8. Anybody want to bet on whether or not Georgia Tech gets to the College World Series? You a hard no on that? Is that why I am a asked? hard no on that one.
0: Something you don't like about them?
1: Uh, yeah, two decades worth of, worth of softness. Yeah. <laughs> What do you have against Georgia Tech? I have nothing against Georgia Tech. They've had really good baseball teams that win a bunch of right outside their
0: campus doors.
1: Yeah, I know. That part would be great. So they're soft? They're soft. Are they not? I haven't watched
0: Georgia Tech play an inning of baseball. What makes a soft baseball team?
1: Um. They've been good enough to make multiple trips to the College World Series.
0: Okay, I see what you're getting at
1: now. In the last two decades, and it's not just that they don't win Super Regionals; they don't win Regionals.
0: Soft might not be the right word. They're just they underachieve. They're disappointing.
1: Okay, whatever. We can argue one way or the other about that if you would uh, you would like to. Um, Gosh, Richard, you're such a jerk. I know. Tennessee at nine. Auburn at fourteen, LSU at seventeen, Texas A&M at nineteen, Ole Miss at twenty-one. What do you think the odds are that I end up doing the Georgia Tech regional? <laughs> they may not let you now. <laughs> let's uh, let's delete this from the uh, from the archives. Um, Done. <laughs> all right, is Mississippi State a slam dunk to host at this point?
0: To host, I believe so.
1: What is the likelihood that they are a super regional host, which means a top eight national seat?
0: Better than fifty-fifty right now.
1: I think they're in a good position. When we come back, let's look at let's look at records and what's left, and see if we can kind of project how this stuff finishes and see if that gives us any better idea of who might be hosting out of the SEC. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. You can vote in the online Twitter poll at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. Is Richard a jerk for spoiling Game of Thrones yesterday? Josh says voted yes. Can't miss up a chance to call Richard a jerk. Ruining Game of Thrones was a Mickey Mouse move. Ho ho! hashtag throwback reference. Well played, Josh. The Seaspire Tech Movement Initiative is moving our region forward through teaching and technology that strengthens our economy, positions it for success in today's digital age, and improves the quality of life in our communities. Join the movement today at slash tech MVMT. Seaspire, customer inspired. Seaspire text line popping right now, 601 879 4395. Phillip and Starkful. Richard told his kids that Cinderella lives happily ever after before the movie started. Tony in Columbia, you're not a jerk, because only about 3% of the population watches that mess. Jeff says, poor little hunter. Uh, Richard, are you talking about Georgia Tech or Ole Miss? That's from Billy in Collinsville. Ooh. Touche. Sick burn. Uh, LaShawn McCoy tweets, spoilers, uh, tweet spoils Avengers Endgame for me. But I didn't write him about it. LOL. Yeah. Uh, I don't know Bork- if
2: you saw that. LaShawn McCoy straight up tweeted like a full plot line of end game and people were really
1: mad at him about that. Uh, pardon my spelling, but Borky spelled wrong has been cracking me up this week. Yeah. There you go. Borky. Get one fan out there. Uh, Dan in Charleston. Who cares about Game of Thrones to which Borky responds? Well, 40 million people so far, give or take. Thomas in Greenwood, there's no way you could be held accountable for ticking off someone by spoiling a show. You'll never be considerate enough to please someone who takes themselves that seriously. Kevin Spacey is Kaiser Sose. And by the way, you're you're winning the poll right now, and that
2: includes the, the, the results of this are going to be skewed because is Richard Cross a jerk being in any poll? Most people are just going to hit yes, and no is still winning right
3: now. Just throwing shivs right back and forth at each other. You I even what?
1: voted Fantastic yes. <laughs> I even voted yes. Darren and Jackson, what's a Game of Thrones? <laughs> uh, somebody said it was a cool ending. Uh, Chad in the Delta says Game of Thrones is a bunch of trash. Uh, somebody suggested $72,000 a year to be a sports writer. Uh, merits him changing professions. And Daniel says that me yawning on the radio literally made him yawn that it's contagious even through the radio. Fair enough. Appreciate uh, all of the engagement with you. Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. All right, so let, let's project. Let's look ahead with what's remaining for... The, the teams that are in contention for being a national seat. We'll start there. Vanderbilt, best opportunity from anybody in the SEC to be a national seat. Vanderbilt goes to South Carolina, hosts Missouri, and goes to Kentucky. Commodores have won eight of their last nine SEC games. They won the first two against Arkansas, lost the Sunday game, swept Alabama, swept Auburn. How many of their final three series are they going to win? South Carolina, Missouri, and Kentucky. South Carolina, Kentucky on the road. All
0: three. they're going to win all three series. All three.
1: How I many games be, though?
0: I won't be completely surprised if they do what Mississippi State did in uh, 2016 and just sweep it, sweep their way out.
2: Conservatively, say six. Though they, they go two and one. That's very conservative for the next three weekends. Just for I was say seven, six.
1: I I could be on board with seven and two if they go seven and two. That means that they will have gone thirteen and two in their final fifteen SEC games. Vanderbilt is going to be a national seat. Um, who's the next highest ranked? Is it uh, okay, Arkansas? Arkansas Arkansas is a little different, uh, a little more difficult test case. Arkansas also has won seven in a row. They won that Sunday game against Vanderbilt. Swept Mississippi State and swept Tennessee. Arkansas goes to Kentucky this weekend. They host LSU and they go to Texas A&M. I feel comfortable saying six and three over the final three weeks. Is that too much?
0: No, that's probably very very fair to be honest with you. More than likely seven and two.
3: I'd actually go five and four. Would you really? Yeah. You think they
1: sweep Kentucky lose twice to LSU and twice to A&M?
3: I don't think you're sweeping Kentucky with Zach Thompson. Okay.
1: And he's probably Zach Thompson's probably going to throw game 2, so you're not going to you're not going to pair up Isaiah Campbell and Zach Thompson. Okay. So, they win the series against Kentucky, win the series at home against LSU.
3: Yeah. LSU's get eventually going to come like I think they're going to be desperate in one of those. Depending on what happens this weekend. Yeah. Um kind of same with A and M the last week. You don't like I wouldn't want to finish the year in college station.
1: No, I, I don't disagree with that. So Arkansas, they're gonna be a national seed, right? Yes. Let, let, let's say they go six and three or five and four. RPI is gonna be good enough. They're gonna they're gonna be there. All right, next you go to Mississippi State. Pretty difficult closing stretch, at least over the next two weeks. Back to back road series. Mississippi State has gone three and three in their last six games. They are six and three in their last nine games. Swept Alabama, got swept at Arkansas, swept Georgia. Interestingly enough, if you look at the road series this year for Mississippi State, they get a series win at Florida. Series win at Tennessee, swept at Arkansas. Back to uh, now about to play back-to-back road series. Same game. 9 games left for Mississippi State. What do you feel comfortable putting them in terms of wins versus losses over the final 9 games?
0: 6 and 3.
1: Okay. I would feel comfortable saying five and four. Certainly six and three is within reach, and maybe better than that.
0: It just depends. I mean, you got two road series against good teams. That's difficult. I really feel like that South Carolina series, I'm a lean and sweep for Mississippi State in that one, so that gives me a little bit of an of a, of a extra cushion there, that if okay. they drop two games to, in, in, at College Station or in Oxford, one of the two, that you're still you can still be six and three. Uh, but in all honesty, I think they—I think they might win the last three series and just two and one in each of them.
1: Two and one, two and one, two and one, six and three. Okay, Borky, what do you think with Mississippi State
2: as far as how they finish or if they end up being a national seed? Well, I mean, kind of one and the same. How do they finish? I think they'll end up being a national seed is really the ultimate question. I think so. Okay. I think they will have a claim ahead of Georgia, especially because of what happened this weekend, obviously. But depending on how the committee looks at it, I guess there's a case study, and in, in this isn't a vacuum, but in a year-by-year basis, they're not going to give the SEC. Would you imagine they give the SEC four national seeds? Maybe not, but I would believe they get the nod over Georgia. And if they finish like we expect them to, then, yeah, they'll be a national seed easily.
1: Just kind of looking at people that are in front of Ole Miss from an RPI standpoint. Auburn finishes with Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. Auburn's sitting at ten and eleven right now. I don't think I don't think Auburn's a team, despite the RPI, that you're a threat to, oh, they're going to host over you. I just don't think Auburn's going to be able to do enough. Tennessee's sitting at nine and twelve in league play. I don't think Tennessee, even they though they've got what, the eighth RPI in the country, they're not going to be a host. They're just trying to get in.
3: They're gonna to struggle to get in. You gotta win six games the last three weekends. Well, I don't know if you're well, gonna do that. They got five. They could get in 14-16. Yeah. They've got mean, nine and twelve. Nine and
1: twelve right now with trip uh home series against Missouri, who pitches it really well at Florida, and then a home series against Ole Miss.
0: Winnable games, but tough games at the same time too. Just real quick too, the SEC had four of the top eight seeds last year.
1: That's right. But weren't those the only four host sites last yes, year? Yes,
0: those were the only four. Yeah. So, and was it, like right t- now, was you're looking two years
1: ago f- where you had seven host sites. I can check for yeah. you.
0: Yeah. So, think that's right. Uh,
2: why, do, does that actually matter? Is that more conspiracy theory or is it known that they will, at, at some point, even though they probably deserve it, not give SEC teams host sites
1: because there are too many?
0: I mean, if they do that, then. The whole system is just sort of rigged, doesn't it? I don't think they can admit to that for sure.
1: Yeah, they certainly won't admit to it. No, they won't admit to it. But I mean, is
2: there is there factual backing in the claim that they will purposefully not give the SEC host sites in favor of less deserving teams because they're not in the SEC? Is that rooted in fact? I
3: don't think they've ever said they dislike money. If you're going elsewhere from the SEC Less money.
1: I mean, if you just rip straight through the top 16 right now, UCLA is going to host. Vanderbilt's going to host. Arkansas is going to host. Georgia's going to host. Mississippi State's going to host. East Carolina, if they don't fall off a of cliff, is going to host. Louisville will host. Georgia Tech, I suppose, is going to host. Tennessee's not going to host. Oregon State will. Miami
3: might. Do you just recant your Georgia Tech claim already? No, I said they're, they're not small. getting to Omaha. I said
1: they will host. Hey, the is, they're really good in the regular season. Usually. Texas Tech hangs on to host. I don't think UC Santa Barbara will. I don't even think they're able to. They don't have lights at their field, and I heard somebody say that uh what was it? San Elzador or wherever they hosted a couple of years ago is not possible because of scheduling. Auburn's not gonna host, West Virginia could, Stanford might. Then it's kind of LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss. Kind of right there. I think that makes this series this weekend pretty big? Next two series. Like Luke Johnson joins us now. Checking over. in on the Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter poll. Is Richard Cross a jerk for saying what happened on Game of Thrones on yesterday's show? It's getting tight. 127 votes, 51% no, watch it live, 49% yes. And again, I mean,
2: it's going to be skewed a little bit because people enjoy calling you a jerk
1: online. Stan says no option for what's Game of Thrones. I voted no anyway. Could Stan be serious?
0: Yeah, probably. I mean, he could be serious, but he's probably not. He probably just wants to be that guy.
1: Okay. Uh, Sports Talk is brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online, MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Across North Mississippi, there is a branch location that is close to you that is convenient. Senatobia, Clarksdale, Cleveland, Indianola, Corinth, Tupelo, New Albany, Starkville, Kosciuszko, and Louisville all of those places where they do business. Mississippi Land Bank has been financing land and refinancing it for over 100 years. That's why they tell you that they know the lay of the land. Glad to have you along this afternoon. You can text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. So we spent a little time on this yesterday. Borky, walk us through what's going on today in the basketball trial in New York? Uh, Today, as far as I've seen, nothing, at least
2: from what we saw yesterday. More testimony, more trial going on. What they've done over the last few days, and it's far different than what we saw back in October, is video wiretaps. We are watching the events take place on video. I say we are watching it. The courtroom and the media that's allowed in the courtroom are watching it for the first time. So you've heard about wiretaps forever. Well... We're seeing it in action. Coaches coming in, talking to these middlemen, discussing dollar amounts, and leaving all on video, which is an interesting layer to this. But uh, today, nothing is groundbreaking as, as what we saw yesterday from a former Arizona assistant coach who bankrupted himself by paying the recruits out of his own pocket. He even had to tap into his retirement fund in order to make sure the money got to where it needed to go.
1: That's remarkable. Then that an assistant coach would do that. Said that he d- jumped into his TIAA-CREF account,
3: withdrew money to pay a recruit. Yeah, because what happens when things go south in three years, the staff gets fired? Like, What, well, I did, I, if, what did I do that for?
0: If the guys take the money and, and commit, and then you get great players coming in, you don't have that problem.
3: You could still have that problem. Ben Simmons played in an NIT.
0: I can't disagree with that.
3: Yeah, that's a that is a good
1: point. I mean, it's got to be a you're betting on yourself philosophy, right? I'm the recruiting coordinator. I keep bringing in good guys. Somebody's going to give me a head coaching job. Well, that's how I'm making the money back. Right,
3: I, I mean, I, you're not necessarily wrong. I don't guess, but is it not more particularly an assistant that doesn't make you know the ridiculous money that a head coach makes? Like an upper-level assistant makes a nice living. Two hundred fifty
2: k is what what this guy was making a year.
3: That's really just betting on the school. That's not really betting on yourself, is it? Because even if the team win, like if the team wins, the program's continue to rise. There's no guarantee you're getting a head coaching gig. I mean, it helps, but like. I would want a more direct return on the investment if I'm betting on myself like that.
2: That tells me, when I read this, and we'll get into the other stuff that was said, but that tells me that was a guy that knew that he had to do whatever it took. And and to him, that meant, at times, tapping into his retirement fund because that's how the game was played. And if you're the recruiting coordinator for a major basketball program, you have to get players. If you don't, you have a job. So it's better to have a job – and spend your money keeping your job than to not have a job at all.
3: Yeah. But if you're an assistant and you don't land the and you're talking behind the scenes here, if you're an assistant and don't land the kid, you just say there wasn't enough funds. Like, why do you have to put your own personal – you don't have to, but, like, I just don't see what that helps putting your own personal funds at stake. Like, the risk-reward in that seems very much more risk, very low reward.
1: I agree with that, and I mean, do you think he was under the impression that somebody was going to make him whole again? That he was going to go Possibly. back to Sean Miller and say, when it was all said and done, Coach, look, I mean, I pulled eighteen thousand dollars out of my own personal retirement account to get this done. I would,
3: I would oh, no imagine. problem, but we'll we'll take care of that. I would hope if, if though that's the if case, that he, if he has half a brain, but. Like if the funds are available in the first place, why not just go get them instead of dipping into your retirement? Hey, Dad, what are you saying?
0: I'll say if I, I would think that if you got the kid, if the kid you got his signature, then you could probably get somebody to help reimburse you. But if you don't get him, you're probably just sort of hung out to dry on that.
2: Or maybe you were doing it without using outside help. Maybe he was trying to hide it from other people that he was doing this. You know, there, there's a lot of layers and. I'm sure they'll get to the bottom of it at some point,
1: but. Or maybe Book Richardson realized that there were ways for him to recoup the money. That, I mean, a lot of this assistant money that was coming to assistant coaches, we saw it at Auburn, the money was never getting to players. Some of it was getting to parents, and some of it was going into assistant coach pockets. So maybe he thought that he was going to be able to recoup it in a different, shady way. Possible.
3: What do you think, Book Richardson probably did not run this by his wife or significant other?
2: She was b- behind him in court yesterday, though. It's a ride or die right there. Her husband's facing, if he's found lying, he's facing 60 years in prison, and she's right there behind him all the way.
3: But, like, I'm going to dip into our retirement fund because this kid has a sweet jumper. <laughs> like, how does that conversation go?
0: It's One of those conversations I can't imagine having with my wife, I'll tell you that.
3: Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's insane to think about.
1: Matt Norlander, we talked yesterday about the fact that he was, he's was he been sitting in court for over a week and a half, and he's tweeting all kinds of interesting stuff from there. Some of the tweets from yesterday, undercover video revealed Book Richardson talking about LSU coach Will Wade approaching him with an informal inquiry about luring Book away from Arizona to coach at LSU. Book Richardson on video, by the way, LSU would have paid him more than the 250 he was making at Arizona. Book Richardson on video claims Will Wade told him about Nas Reed Quote, look, there's a deal in place I got 300000 for him Richardson says on the video about Mississippi State If I'm recruiting against Mississippi State All bets are off Alright, let's pause there for a second What does this mean? Does it mean anything for Mississippi State? Lamar Peters' name has come up somewhere along the way If you go back a little bit you know, earlier in this process, is there anything to be concerned about?
0: I mean, it's one of the it's one of those things. You don't want your name involved. You don't want to yes, hear that, that, your name. Yes, involved. but true. But but is there you know anything to be concerned about? Well, I don't know. And it, you're about to get to the you know looking at the rundown here. You're about to get to the reason I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to be concerned. And that's nobody from the NCAA is at this trial. It's almost like it's not happening. For them, they they don't even have they don't even have an intern there just taking some notes. So, I don't know. I mean,
1: does that mean anything? I think it does because from Dan Wetzel's story at Yahoo, this this quote in his story or this is an excerpt from the story. Once again, not a single NCAA administrator, athletic director, or conference commissioner or staff was in federal court to watch and listen to the trial. It was advertised as
3: a bowl junket. Courtroom would be packed. Complete frauds. Well, look at all the main characters in this. Sean Miller saws a job, right? Yep. Yeah. Will Wade still has a job, right? He does. Yeah. Bruce Pearl. Yes. Seems to me all of these schools don't think anything's going to actually come of this.
1: They're be- that or they're, they're betting, betting on fight it to the end. Borky?
2: No, they're betting on themselves here. They're willing to ride it out to see what happens. The scope of it is so large. And taking it back to a local perspective from Mississippi State, should they be worried, should they not be worried, I think the scale is so broad. If the NCAA is going to do something, one, he wasn't asked to a follow up on Mississippi State. Maybe they'll get to it. He wasn't asked about it. It was just a one-off. He decided to plug that information in there and then keep going back on Arizona and LSU. Um. But as far as we know, there's not a Mississippi State coach on a federal wiretap discussing specific payments to specific players. So in the order of who they're going to hit, this one-off does fall below the guys that are on wiretaps and on video either receiving money or talking about the money they're giving to players. So if you're wondering if they should be worried, they're very low on the pecking order as far as who should get hit first anyway.
3: Yeah, other than eroding moral high ground, I don't think it does much. But the like the 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 weird part about it is, if you were going to fight it to the end, like if there was actually a fight to be had, the NCA would have all the ammunition from this. So like that would make me think that all these people don't think anything's going to happen. All of these I say it, people, schools, athletic directors, all of that yourself included, <sighs> leaning that way, but I don't know.
1: Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. Renaissance Bank understanding you.
4: One, two. Tim
1: and McGee on the C Spire text line. I think Mississippi State's name being brought up could bring an NCAA investigation. Southern Miss in basketball, Old Miss in football. The NCAA loves to bury Mississippi. Hmm an interesting take. This is there, slightly different, though. Yeah,
3: yeah and if different. there is an investigation to be had, like where the NCAA is dispersing their manpower, like we were saying a second ago, that's probably fairly low on the list.
1: I don't know that I buy into the idea that just because the NCAA doesn't have a representative in the courtroom in New York that they're not paying attention to what's going on. Isn't that a bad look, though? Just
2: from an optical standpoint, yeah, they're probably going to end up getting, like, the transcripts of what happened in the courtroom, but just the fact that they're not there, not watching what is happening to their sport, being there in representation to at least put on the mask and pretend like you actually care and want to know who's corrupting, air quotes, your sport... Not even showing up as a really bad look.
3: You talk about not caring. When's the last time that organization cared about optics?
2: Right. Sure. But, I mean, it's like somebody that that's overweight saying they really want to lose weight but never working out not eating better. You, you say you care. You put out these press releases about being guardians of the game. But when it comes down to it and somebody is laying out in front of your face with no incentive to lie exactly what goes on in the underbelly of your sport and you're not even there to listen to it? That tells me they know, they they already know what he's saying. They know it exists and there's nothing that they've done about it. Or it's just a really bad
1: look. Rippy used the phrase eroding moral high ground. Vorky, you you like that term? Yeah, it's funny.
2: Um, Years ago when the, the Ole Miss investigation was going on, you kept seeing the the phrases 100 miles an hour in a 50-mile-an-hour zone. And the number of emails that I got, and this was when I was first starting on this show, and so I wasn't, and I'm still not very good at this, but I wasn't very good at this and so I was really cons- worried about what the listeners thought of me. And I'll get these emails that would drive me nuts because I would say then everybody does it pretending like your school doesn't, but your rival does is really stupid because everybody does it. And the things that would get emailed to me and mentioned to me on Twitter were just an indicator of either ignorance or willful ignorance. Willful ignorance. And now that kind of argument, the old Miss football is going 100 miles an hour in a 50-mile-an-hour zone or Ole Miss cheating, all that stuff that you saw looks really stupid today. Because everybody does it. And when, when we were saying that back then, it wasn't because you were protecting Ole Miss. It's because you were telling the truth. And the same thing applies today. So Mississippi State got named in a federal courtroom for, what was the exact quote? All bets are off. They were just playing the game like everybody else. They're not unique. They're not immoral. That, that's nothing. It doesn't move my needle at all because, of course, it's major college athletics. That's what they were doing. So if you had that position years ago about Ole Miss, just know how stupid it was then and vice versa. You're in a glass house. If you are involved in college athletics, major college athletics, you are in a glass house. When you throw stones, you'll break your own eventually.
1: Hey, Dad.
0: I mean, he's right. You know, we've talked about it a thousand times on this show. When you're talking about you know, people breaking NCAA rules, literally every NCAA institution is doing it. It's just who gets caught and what they do. That what is the dumb thing that they did that led them to being get getting caught in LSU like case Like a
2: threat to. <laughs> like there, I was good to that.
0: First I was gonna go the head coach getting caught on a wiretap talking about this. That is a dumb thing. A head coach saying "Come at me, bro" on Twitter. And enraging in, in, in about a dozen fan bases in doing so, some of which had some actual dirt. That's that's a dumb thing, and that's how you get caught. But if you just play the game and sort of keep to yourself about it, you can go on forever doing it.
3: Well, yeah, and y'all kind of hit the scratch the surface of it. But like, there was like not to like defend the fake outrage, but the fake outrage was fueled by kind of like this wholesome kind of under the veil of like. Religion type thing that rubbed people the wrong way, and probably rightfully so. In this state, at least, yeah, yeah.
1: At the end of wh- wherever this ends, however long it goes, is this is this hard to watch? Is it more hard to watch for Ole Miss fans or people that have ties to Ole Miss? Than for the, and and for Missouri, than for the the general population because of selective enforcement? I mean, is that the best way to describe it?
0: Well, sort of like I said, with, with Ole Miss, they poked the bear, and that's what happened. Missouri, yeah, I don't know what Missouri did to upset the people at the NCAA because it looks like they got way, way more than they deserved. But they were, like I just said, they were just sort of sitting there. And, and and they got picked off. Like Ole Miss invited the wolf into the sheep the the sheep pen. And that's that's what
2: happens. I mean, even back to Ohio State. I know we all hate Ohio State here, but my gosh, their players were getting free tattoos at a tattoo parlor in exchange for their own jersey and got a bull ban from the NCAA. That's what was yeah. going on. That's what they got caught doing. Their players were giving some of their stuff to a local tattoo guy to get free tattoos. And they got hammered cold, for it. Cold pants. Yeah, and it's it's only hard to watch if they pick and choose. I see. I don't think paying players is immoral. I, I hope everybody involved here gets off free because I don't think there's anything wrong with giving somebody an adult who can vote money for being good at a sport. I hope I hope everybody gets off because it's what everybody had to do. And if, like you said, the selective enforcement—if they pick and choose, let's say they just get Arizona and nobody else. That is far more immoral than kids getting money for being good at basketball.
3: That may be the most likely thing that happens, too. It's like a game of, like, what, arrow roulette or whatever from that movie where you shoot the arrow in the air, like, ass one of the circle gets hit or whatever. But, like, then that seemed like the most likely case? Like, the did not going to completely botch it, but they're going to zero in on one program when it's this many programs. Everyone's going to be like, yeah. What are you doing? And
2: that is that is what is an outrage to me. That's what pisses me off.
3: Everybody I find this was playing the,
2: it is fascinating, but everybody was playing the game. Everybody was playing the game. I mean, there are what? 3 4 dozen schools or players that have been named in this thing in one way or another whether it was financial documents at an agent's office or played out in court everybody's doing it. And singling out one school and punishing one school for something that everybody does, that is an outrage and that is immoral. Not the practice of paying the players, the punishing one school when everybody's paying players. That's immoral.
3: And if that does end up happening, it's just kind of a microcosm for how the organization operates as a whole, right? Like they just pick from fight to fight to fight when it's this widespread thing. Mm -hmm. And
2: so I I was asked this morning from a buddy, what do you think happens to Mississippi State? And I said, I hope nothing because they were just playing the game like everybody
0: else really want to get some more context on on it's just it's just so random too right He just sort of slipped it in there. You're rocking along everything,
1: Arizona, Book Richardson, Kansas, Louisville. If you had to recruit against Mississippi State, all bets are off. Back to Arizona, just tra-la, tra-la, tra-la.
0: I'll go the freeze route on this and be like, what he means by that is when players get a Mississippi State offer, they just love Starkville so much. They fall in love with the campus and the city. And see how it sounds now? Yeah.
1: Yeesh. Um. Tim says that's what they're going to do Zero in on one school And I think the least recognized Sorry, Creighton
3: <laughs> uh, Yes, I guess it'd be Creighton yeah,
2: Creighton had a coach with his team gear on On video, g- getting money from one of these
0: middlemen Yeah, it's Creighton Creighton's getting the death penalty I keep
3: waiting for like a school logo Stamped on one of these Benjamins or something cool <laughs> Jim in
1: Caledonia says Is it time to consider getting rid of the NCAA? Uh, yes, yeah. probably past time, past that, time. but <laughs> yeah, Jeff Again, and Laurel billions of Saban, dollars. Jeff and Laurel says Sabin is untouchable. Ole Miss beat Alabama twice. Jeff and Oxford says when Tunsil admitted taking money on television, the NCAA had to do something for optics. Yeah, I mean, but and that's well, that's but, but hold on a second, hold on a second, partially true. that it may be partially true, but to Rippey's point earlier,
3: since when do they give a flip about optics? It's probably a little different when one of its member entities publicly embarrasses it. Instead of, like, you know, the FBI's pulling back the cover on this, but, like, when you have a player on national TV, I guess, admit that he got paid money, plus a coach basically being like, Huh, come at me. But North Carolina. North Carolina, have anybody on NBA draft night? Be like, yeah, thanks for all those fake classes, Four <laughs> O.
1: <laughs> yeah, come at me, bro, might be the most... I mean is that the is that the lowest moment in the history of the Ole Miss Athletics Department when the head football coach goes after the
3: NCAA on Twitter? I mean retroactively. Publicly, yeah. Like at the time, not not. Uh, I think the
0: the hooker thing might be a little
3: lower.
1: Well, but that just cost a guy his job. It didn't cost you probation. For all the media attention. Biggest crowd ever for the draft. Most watched draft ever. And when the TV ratings for the opening night of the draft came out, New Orleans was one of the highest rated markets. And maybe it's just because they were looking for something. Yeah, sports fans in New Orleans were just looking for something to entertain themselves with. Because this might have been the most boring draft for the Saints ever. Hey, Dad, you love the Saints. Love them. Love the Saints. Does this do anything for you? Eric McCoy, center from Texas A&M in the second round, late second round. Fourth round, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, safety from Florida. Sixth round, Saquon Hampton, safety from Rutgers. Seventh round, say it for me. Is it Alizé? Sure. I said Elise, Mack. but whatever. Elise Mack, the tight end from Notre Dame. And then with the 244th pick, Caden Ellis, outside linebacker from Idaho. That was the draft for the Saints. Yeah. 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 Were you not entertained?
0: I like the McCoy pick. They needed a center, you know, with Max Unger retiring, and they had to rebuild the interior of that line a little bit. Uh, I know they needed some safety help, and Gardner Johnson was a guy who's, you know, I think his talent is good. There's some There's some other issues there that might be a problem for him, but from a talent perspective, I like that pick. The rest of the guys are just sort of, eh.
1: Well, and were you any less entertained going through watching the draft than you would have been if the Saints had had two first-round picks, a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and a fifth-round pick?
0: Sort of, uh, yeah. I mean, you see where I see where you're going with that. Yeah, if the Saints had a first-round pick, obviously I would have been a little bit more enthralled because where they were picking in the, well, I guess it would have been around the 30. There were still some talented players there, or maybe they could have made a move up to get somebody. I don't know. When they traded up to get McCoy, I'll be. This might surprise you, to be honest with you, but when they traded up to get McCoy, my first thought was they're going to get AJ Brown, and I was pretty excited about that.
1: Um, is it okay they didn't get a receiver? I mean, they didn't get a tight end.
0: I feel like they they must feel okay about their options. I mean, obviously Michael Thomas is one of the best in the in the league, and you know Ted Ginn is a is a good deep threat. I just don't know if they've got another guy. You know, they need a third guy that they don't. I don't know if they really have one right now. We'll see if Traquan Smith or Keith Kirkwood can become that, or does Taysom Hill become more of a receiver this year? I don't know.
2: And I mean, Cam Meredith last year was—I yeah. mean, he was still coming off of an injury. He's a guy that's proven in the NFL that that he can be effective. Ted Ginn being out really hurt that offense. But they also didn't have any kind of a threat at tight end. Uh, with all due respect to to Ben Watson, great player. He's just on the back end of his career. Who's an older guy didn't contribute much. So now you got a legit threat at tight end with Jared Cook, and and we'll see about health, but. I was hoping they would pick a receiver. I think they needed to, but they also, most importantly, needed a Max Unger replacement. Their center abruptly retired this offseason, just didn't want to do any more damage to his body and just gave it up even though he was a young guy. They needed immediate impact offensive line help, and McCoy is somebody that apparently is very smart. I'm taking the the football guy's word for it and can also play multiple positions. So he can do center both guards as well and, and really be versatile on that interior of the offensive line.
1: New Orleans, uh, let's see, Pete Prisco at CBS covers the NFL, gave New Orleans a B-. minus. Says their best pick was trading up to land Eric McCoy in the second round. Had to get the replacement for Max Hunger as we just talked about. Worst pick? Wasn't one. They didn't have a lot of picks. And he points out that they didn't have many picks because of the deals. He says he likes what they did with their first two, getting McCoy and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. First-round pick went to Green Bay in the Marcus Davenport trade, as Borky told you just a second ago. They need big production out of Marcus Davenport, though, to make that pay off from a year ago. He showed a lot of potential. I think and he then can he got a,
0: hurt. He got hurt. I think if he can be healthy, he can be a, a great bookend on the other end from Cam Jordan, who is, you know, I guess, about what 12 months away from a monster payday. Half we'll that roster
2: is about 12 months away yeah. from a, mass, a massive. And that's that's payday. why it's
0: win now. You know, they I don't know how many of these guys are you know. I think Lattimore and Kamara, they're they're coming back. They'll be Saints. And then beyond that, you gotta sort of pick and choose your battles. Jordan is a guy you'd like to keep, obviously. But if Davenport becomes a monster, then you, you feel better about leave, losing him.
3: So isn't this probably the last year of like this current version of the Saints going for it? Maybe yep. one more?
2: No, this is the last year. Because everybody's coming off of their rookie deal,
0: yeah, and of course with Breeze in Bridgewater, you know, Bridgewater signed that deal that makes it look like if you know it, 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 he's he's set to take over next year, you know, and we'll see. I don't, I, I hope it's not one of those ugly things where we see Breeze play a couple years for you know the Jets or something, but we'll see.
3: Mm. Avoid the Rams at all costs.
0: At all costs.
3: What him playing for the Rams? No, just the Saints. This last year, probably want to ditch the Rams.
0: They play them the open or what? Second week of the season, right?
3: Yeah, is
1: that right? Is it week two?
0: I th- it's week two or week three. One of the two.
3: Think the same crew will be on that game?
1: <laughs> Boy, I hope not.
3: <laughs> um,
1: some other grades from uh, from around the NFL. Falcons get a B. They gave, by the way, the Arizona Cardinals an A. Ish. Mm. Said the best pick was their second round corner pick of Byron Murphy. It'll be a nice nickel corner early in his career, and then can move outside to a starter's role. Says I'm not as crazy about number one overall Kyler Murray's most. I would have kept Josh Rosen, even though not crazy about the Murray pick. Pete Prisco says he loves their draft overall. They gave the Falcons a B, the Ravens a B plus, the Buffalo Bills a B. Do you like the Dawson Knox to Buffalo pick?
2: I mean, we'll see if he's able to catch a touchdown. Lord knows Phil Longo never
1: asked him to. (laughs) Carolina Panthers, B+. uh, Pete Prisco says their best pick was second-round tackle Greg Little, that he had first-round ability and with a little seasoning, could develop into a Pro Bowl player. Worst pick, I didn't love the decision to take Will Greer in the third round. They do need a developmental passer, but is he that much better than Kyle Allen? Borky, you, you said in your, your crazy wild predictions that we made last week, or, or your hot take predictions, that you thought Will Greer would end up having the best pro career. This doesn't feel like a great spot for him to be able to put that potential on display, does he? No, it doesn't. And it's a shame. I. I...
2: I guess it's good because you saw it with Rodgers that you can not get thrown into the fire in the NFL. He can spend some time learning, but that's not the best situation for my prediction to be right, is, is him being there. But there is. Well, a, Cam ahead.
1: Newton, in time, has had injury issues. He has, and
2: it feels like to me he's a plateau quarterback. At some point, don't you realize that? Carolina, Cam Newton, have reached a point where they're not going to win any more than they did. That Super Bowl was the peak of what they're going to do with him in Carolina.
3: I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. I was just going to say with the way he plays. well, that too, the yeah. end, When the end comes, it probably comes a little quicker.
1: Indianapolis Colts get a B-. Second-round receiver Paris Campbell can fly and will be a force in this offense with Andrew Luck. They did some draft board maneuvering, moving out of the first round to end up with ten picks, which was smart. Ten picks in the draft. Is there a team that that stands out to you in this draft as really doing what they needed to do? Miami. I I was going to ask about the Dolphins. Christian Wilkins.
0: I mean, their picks are good, but getting Josh Rosen for basically nothing and when also, you know, this is a team that's – they're in a rebuild mold, mode. Look at their draft for next year and what they've acquired. They I think they have 14 picks in next year's draft. I mean, they, are, they, they they did it right. They did a good job.
3: I think they did, too. Just the only thing that makes their rebuild, like, not unclear, but, like, what path they're going to go is not clear yet. It's because you think if it's a full-on rebuild, you're signing Fitzmagic to a short-term deal. You're thinking you're waiting for two uh, – or one of those quarterbacks coming out the next year, are you not? And now they kind oh, oh, of have a quarterback. I and thought so like, about
0: that, but maybe you just think we'll have a high draft choice and there's two or three quarterbacks people want. Maybe we'll be able to trade that
1: pick and get
3: more. Yeah, sure. I'm not sure either one's wrong. Was I guess it, it's good to have options, too.
1: Wasn't there a story that came out kind of leading up to the draft that Dan Snyder had basically taken over draft responsibilities for the Redskins this year? That usually he he did really well. well,
0: though. If he did, yeah. if that's the case, he did okay. I mean, Dwayne get,
1: Haskins, quarterback pick. Montez okay. Sweat, nice piece on the defensive line. They got Bryce Love in the fourth round. People have got mixed feelings on that. Healthy Bryce Love's a good Bryce Love.
3: Darius torn ACL. I would agree they had a good draft, but how? what sample size is there for owners kind of taking that kind of control, working out well, particularly one with the reputation of Dan Snyder?
0: Oh, Dallas. Rogers. Yeah, well, yeah works great now there.
3: Yeah, exactly. But see, Jerry's backed off a little bit. They've actually become kind of shrewder. I don't even know if that's a word. More shrewd. Shrewder. (laughs) Sports
1: Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. More coming up. Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Tuesday afternoon with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Show's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. Online at MSlandbank.com. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, joined by Larry Holder from the Athletic in New Orleans. We were talking about the Athletic earlier today. Obviously it's a subscription based website, but just fantastic work all over the place. Larry Holder, part of that's covered the Saints for a long time. Larry, appreciate a few minutes of, of your time this afternoon. We we were talking about the Saints draft. Uh, and I'm curious if this was the most uneventful, almost boring draft for Saints fans to consume, given the lack of picks that they had this go around.
4: Well, at least the Saints decided to make it interesting by trading up twice <laughs> to get their yeah. first two picks. But yeah, uh, outside of that, it's something that the Saints certainly used the a lot, a few of these picks that they were supposed to have in this draft for assets they already have, if they used. Uh, Their first rounder in the trade to get Marcus Davenport. They used their third rounder to get Teddy Bridgewater and fourth rounder to get Eli Apple. And But they were at least able to. uh, And, of course, they're robbing from the future again. It's kind of like what they do. They use a twenty twenty second second-round pick in in a trade package to go up and get Texas A&M center Eric McCoy. And then, look, they they were able to use some assets and move up into the fourth round to go get – Chauncey Gardner or Johnson, and so yeah, look, it, it's not like the to have a bunch of gaping needs, and right. it's basically the second year in a row we've seen that, and so uh, you know, it, it, uneventful, yes, but I do feel like they they were able to pick up some some talented players and and really get some value on some guys that they were able to grasp.
1: Robbing for the future, borrowing from the future, however you want to describe it, we we talked with uh, with Deuce McAllister last week about that, and kind of made the point that there there comes a time when you consistently trade picks away or trade future picks away that at some point you kind of have to pay the piper on that, and you have to go through a year where you're just not going to have much action in the draft. And yet, to your point, they did it again this year where they trade up and have to give away from the future. Can you do that kind of in perpetuity, or at some point do you have to, to really sit back and just
4: eat it for a year? Well, when you're good, you can get away with it. (laughs) And when you're not, uh, obviously it bites you, and it it tends to get to a point where sometimes it could. I would just go back to say in 2012, uh, the Saints, their first pick was in the third round. Uh, They traded that first-round pick to move up into the 2011 first round to go get Mark Ingram, and then unbeknownst to them, they would lose their second rounder to the bounty scandal. So yeah. you know when that happens, it, you know it tends to bite you. But you know, look, the Saints are all in in these past few years to so go win a Super Bowl, and that's what they're doing. And so uh, you know, I, I'm guessing in their eyes, deal with it when you don't have Drew Brees, and you your your window at least a little bit with him closes, and then you figure it out. But oh, by the way, you still have a lot of young players. Say from 2016 and 2017, those drafts were pretty fruitful, and so it's it's not like uh, they have a ton of aging players. Uh, they've got a nice mix of young stars and and some good veteran players as well.
1: You, you mentioned a word that we use a lot: the, the window and teams that that do a good job building a roster usually have a a finite amount of time when when they can legitimately chase a Super Bowl. It feels like the Saints are are in a spot where they can do this this year. Obviously, they were in that spot last year. How how long is the window open for New Orleans? Is it just this year? Is it a couple of more years?
4: It depends on the length of Drew Brees' career, uh, really. And so... You look at the way that is, could this be the last year? He is 40 years old. If the Saints make a playoff run, he would turn 41. And yet, we still see Tom Brady winning Super Bowls, and Tom Brady is about a year older than Drew Brees. And it's not like Drew Brees has totally slowed down. So, as long as he's there, I think they feel like the window is go, 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 go. And you look at after that, could Teddy Bridgewater be the guy, and they feel like, that window continues, possibly. So but the Saints are just a team and an organization that limited really on aggression. I mean, they're aggressive offensively, they're aggressive when it comes to the draft. You know, they go get the people they want to do. That's kind of what they do. And so, uh, you know, I, I think the Saints, until it totally blows up in their face, which maybe at some point it will, they're going to continue this method no matter what.
1: Larry Holder on your radio. He is with the Athletic in New Orleans, covers the Saints. Eric McCoy, um, obviously got to have a guy to, to replace Munger uh, in the middle of that offensive line. You're putting your eggs in that basket. Can he step in and and be the center and kind of be the, the smart quarterback in the middle of that offensive line, not just this year but, but for the foreseeable future? And I guess maybe the, the better question is, what do you think the learning curve is for playing center in the NFL?
4: Well, people can come in right away and play center. I mean, that, it's not impossible. It's certainly maybe a little more difficult than other spots because you're uh, you're trying to be the communicator within the offensive line, and the Saints have a pretty veteran laden offensive line. But also, it's not like uh, they have all of their eggs actually in that basket right this second. They signed okay. Nick Houston who is a a veteran offensive lineman, injury-marred, but they spent some significant money on him. So they at least have two options there. Both are able to play center or guard. McCoy started two games at A&M at guard, so it's not like that's totally his position of comfort. But Easton has started more games than not at guard. So... Uh, they at least have some options and versatility there. But they draft, you move up and draft him, you're moving up and draft him the be center, uh, maybe of the current status or of the future. And But he played very well uh, you know, against some of the stud defensive tackles in this draft, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, Dexter Lawrence and Clemson, and Quinnen Williams in Alabama. He looked good in all of those games and all of those matchups, which is why the Saints really wanted to go after him once he fell in the round.
1: It certainly would be understandable for Saints fans to feel snake bit, or or maybe they're a little hesitant to kind of go right back all in because of the pain of the way last year ended. D- do you get that sense being around Saints fans, or is that kind of now in the rearview mirror and it's just like, you know, full throttle ahead? Let's go get it this year.
4: That will never be in the rearview mirror. Ever, okay. <laughs> I'll just That's put it fair. that way. Yeah, but I will say that plenty of Saints fans understand uh, that was not the Saints' is doing. The Minneapolis miracle—that was on the Saints. This one was not. So this team, people are expecting to be just as good, if not better, than they were last year. And those teams, you know, similar expectations filed them from 2017, 2018. And obviously didn't disappoint. So, look, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the fans expect the things to be good. They expect them to be one of the best in the league. I know in the building, you assume they're one of the best, if not the best team in the NFL right now. And so uh, you go in that, and, and even though you certainly had one of the worst calls in the history of, of officiating a professional sports go against you. Hence, the NFL changes the rule unanimously. Well, almost unanimously. Cincinnati's a bunch of buffoons, and they decided not to. But <laughs> uh, I think it just goes to show you that this—you know—this fan base, they will always be bitter, and yet they understand this year, this team is going to be very good, if not even better than last year's team.
1: The fact that they didn't get a wide receiver in this draft, is that a big deal, or do they feel good enough about the guys coming back and the pieces uh, as far as guys that can catch balls from Drew Brees?
4: Yeah, it's not like they didn't go looking. I-, I could tell you they liked Adam Humphreys a lot. Uh, he was a free agent from Tampa. Uh, they He signed a-, a much bigger deal than they anticipated uh, with the Titans, so they passed, but... I- I- I can tell you they feel like they've got a new piece with Jared Cook. I mean, he's basically a glorified receiver, right. and they did not have really that option last year. They feel confident in, in the receivers that they have outside of Michael Thomas, and yet I might not share the same confidence, or maybe they're just saying the same the things that they want people to hear. But I do think they have plenty of viable pieces. One of them, they'll have to emerge as a bona fide number, two. And I'm curious to see, uh, among that big, vast group that they have, which player that's going to be.
1: Larry, with Mark Ingram no longer part of the equation, how does the how does the load change for Kamara? I mean, he's never necessarily been a, a featured back in this offense. Th- does that become his role, or does he continue to kind of – do they move him around and put him in different spots? And, and we've only got about 30 seconds left. I'm just kind of curious what you think his role looks like.
4: Yeah, I don't think that he's going to be totally featured. I think he's going to be him. They're going to let it move him around, do this and that. If you like Octavius Murray, can play Mark Ingram's role, which is why they kind of moved quickly after negotiations broke down. Is Octavius Murray Mark Ingram? No. But can he be good enough? I think so. So I, I think they feel good uh, with their one-two punch and running back, even though look, they love Mark Ingram and are disappointed that that did not work out.
1: Yeah. Larry, really appreciate your time. Good stuff this afternoon.
4: Yeah, appreciate it. Sorry I missed y'all earlier. Glad I can catch up <laughs> a couple minutes later.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Hope we can do it again in the future.
4: Yeah, you got it. No problem.
1: That's Larry Holder from The Athletic. Covers the Saints. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Renaissance Bank studio. baseball Twitter account uh, tweets a picture of some dogs that are uh, in the area beyond the outfield wall. They're having bark at the park night. Those pets can be registered on site. I'm just kind of curious how a park full of dogs is going to respond to that guy that never quits
3: whistling. (laughs) If I were a dog, I'd know how I would. Full-on attack, or do you just go relieve yourself? Yeah, on a seat. That lasts longer. That
2: would be a great day. I mean, a sad day, too, but a great day. When somebody finally had the courage to put the Whistler in place, of course it would take a dog, but...
3: Yeah, you can't threaten legal action on a dog like he did at Hoover a couple years ago.
1: Oh, when he got love-tapped? Yeah. Yes, you could. Uh, The Sports Talk Mississippi Twitter question today was, is Richard a jerk for saying what happened on Game of Thrones on yesterday's show? 202 votes 54% no watch it live 46% yes Richard's a jerk I liked Anthony's response I don't think the rabbit ears on my Magnavox tube TV pick up that channel <laughs> uh, there you go there you, uh, there you go have we gone too
2: far with the dog thing by the way I don't know if you've seen this trend where dogs literally go everywhere with everyone I mean, you fly a lot. You see dogs all over the airport now. There's a bar in my hometown that is literally, it's a dog bar. So everything inside of the bar, with the exception of the alcohol and like the bar top, is catered to dogs. They have chew toys everywhere. Like the floor is a certain thing. They, It, it is a-, a dog bar because people can't leave their dog at home for an hour while they go have a drink with a buddy. Hmm. I love
1: my dogs, but have we gone too far? I, I would not travel with my dogs. We've got two. We've got uh, we've got a Yorkie, Chloe, who is thirteen, almost fourteen years old. Wow. She is grumpy. Um, Jane is absolutely her person. And my mother in law to to some degree as well. Like if she stays at my in law's house, she and my mother in law are they're boys. She and Jane are boys. You know what I mean when I say but it's like they're, they're yeah, it's anything. colloquial language. We get we got it. Um The only time that Chloe is really interested in me is when there's a thunderstorm. So she sleeps on the bed with us, on the bed in the bed, whatever, and has forever. And when there's a thunderstorm that rolls up, she like wants to snuggle up against me. And I don't know, I, I I don't know why, but that's just I mean I guess it's a comfort thing or whatever. I don't know how long Chloe will be with us though. She's she's been at it for a while. I mean, fourteen year old dog's pretty old dog, right? Yeah, it's a good life for a little dog like that.
3: Is that like 80-something in people years? You know, was it? Seven seven years of...
2: I'm told it doesn't really work that way because it varies so much by breed, but that's what I get for being married to somebody in vet medicine. Yeah.
3: I was going seven, but I just misadded it, mismultiplied it. Yeah, I don't think, I'm think your math was great here. there. Yeah.
1: Um, what would that be, 98? You can pull the calculator out on your phone if you need to. <laughs> Um, And then we've got Thatcher, who is like the nicest dog ever. He's a Golden Retriever mix, and he was a shelter dog. Jane just kind of came home with him one day. Like, we weren't really thinking about getting another dog, and then we had another dog. And he's pretty awesome. The only problem is when... My kids have friends over to play. Inevitably, the front door is left cracked or wide open. And Thatcher looks like he's shot out of a cannon. And I'm telling you, it's like half of Oxford knows Thatcher because he runs off either to the park or heads toward Jackson Avenue, which is not a great spot for a dog, but to this point, People have been really nice to grab him and then call the number, and then all of a sudden somebody's bringing Thatcher back to the house. Uh, But even with that said, I don't want to take Thatcher with me to the airport.
3: Or on a plane. What about, like, if you had a place up the street from your house, grab a beer?
1: Would I take him with me? Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, sometimes if we'll go to, like, but not inside.
3: No, but most places like that, I think, are outside.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, so no, like, this you get place
3: is inside that over... I'm talking
1: about. It is an
2: indoor place where they serve food. Like, you're eating around
1: just dogs everywhere. Yeah, yeah I'll pass on that. And the but then, yeah, if we're if we're like going to dinner, we're somewhere where we can sit outside. The kids are gonna ride their bikes to you know through the park to go eat or something. We'll take Thatcher along for that. He's good. He just kind of sits there. I mean, he would love for you to give him a bite of food, but he's not, like, all up in your business trying to eat off your plate. Is that the most I've ever talked about my dogs? That, uh,
2: yeah, uh, I like it, though. I mean, yeah. my my, enti- my my hometown, where I grew up, the entire downtown is supposed to be dog-friendly. So you can take your dog downtown and do, go shopping, go eat everywhere, and it's like, it, it is a understood thing that Every door that is open, every business that is open, you can take your animal inside. So jewelry stores, clothing stores, whatever, there are just dogs in there walking around. It's the strangest thing. Every place has like a water bowl and treats and stuff outside of the door too.
1: (laughs) Hmm.
2: Treat them like a human.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a little too far. Brewer, by the way, on the... Twitter question says you should have stopped at jerk and you would have gotten a lot more yes votes. Don't. Hey, you. Thanks, Brewer. When you look at what Mississippi State and what Ole Miss lost in the draft last year, how do you look at this year and go, these teams are going to be better? Simple you answer, don't. you don't. Mississippi State, on the defensive side of the ball, loses three first-round draft picks. Jeff Simmons, Montez Sweat, and Jonathan Abram. They lose Gary Green at pick number 199. That's four guys that go in the top 200 of the NFL draft off the number one defense from a year ago. And then Hoye, for good
2: measure, is also no longer in school, got picked up as an undrafted free agent. There's another defensive lineman gone.
1: Who's that? Oh, Deanne Collins. Braxton Hoyette. Oh, I'm sorry, Hoyette. Yeah. And Mark McLaurin, who two years ago was tied for the lead in the SEC in interceptions. That is. Paul Peters in the secondary. Six starters, seven starters off of that defense a year ago that are now in the NFL. That's on Mississippi State's defense. And I wish, hey, Dad, we here because we've talked about, oh, yeah, they're probably going to take a step back, but it's not going to be like fall off the reservation. It may not be. And if there's not a significant step back, then what a credit to the coaching job and the recruiting job they've done. But you lose seven guys off of a defense, and you don't recruit like Alabama? You would expect a pretty significant step back. What about on the offensive side of things for Ole Miss? Greg Little, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Dawson Knox, Javon Patterson. On the oh, and Demarcus Lodge. How I many is that? Uh, Greg Little. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Dawson Knox, Javon Patterson, and DeMarcus Lodge. That's six starters on the offensive side of the ball for Ole Miss. All right, now let me ask you this. Is it easier to overcome losing six or seven guys on the defensive side of the ball to the NFL or on the offensive side?
2: That's a really good question.
1: And I know some of it has to do with personnel that you've got. Generally speaking, you would say offense, right? Probably. Oh, well, Hold on now. There's a seventh for Ole Miss because did Jordan Tamu end up signing an, a free agent deal? Didn't he go to?
3: Well, he's not back at Ole Miss regardless.
1: Not back regardless. Did he sign? Has not signed Has yet. not signed a deal. Feels like somebody will pick him up and give him a chance in camp. So six or seven starters on the offensive side for Ole Miss. Seven starters on the defensive side for Mississippi State. And oh, by the way, Ole Miss loses defensive guys in Javion Hamilton, Zedrick Woods, Ken Webster. That's a lot of guys to replace that are now going to be playing professional football. Now Ole Miss and Mississippi State aren't unique. It's kind of like that all over the NFL. I mean, Kentucky loses three players in the first three rounds. That's significant for Kentucky. But this is a lot of guys that both Mississippi State and Ole Miss have got to replace next year. We'll talk about who's replacing those people. We need to look at that. More coming up. We're back, Sports Talk Mississippi, with you. It's brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank, online at mslandbank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. 601-879-4395 is the number for the C Spire text line, C Spire, customer inspired. So on the Jordan Ta'amu front, the Raiders have invited Ta'amu to come to a mini camp, a rookie mini camp, He's also got an invitation from the Houston Texans to a, a, uh, attend their rookie mini camp. Here, here is a, I, I don't know the answer to this question. If you're an undrafted free agent and you're invited to attend a rookie mini camp, can you accept more than one invitation if the camps aren't happening at the same time? Borky, do you know the answer to that? I don't know the
2: answer to that. I can't imagine that you can.
1: Um, Ronald Ollie's another one that got a uh, an invitation and is confirmed to go to the Raiders rookie camp. Per a report, Jordan Tamu has been invited, but apparently is not confirmed yet. So he's got an invitation from the Raiders... And an invitation from the Houston Texans. <clears throat> Let me clarify that with John Harris, and figure out what the rules are on that. Because you got to impress them enough in a camp setting to be signed as an undrafted free agent and get a contract, and then you still haven't necessarily made the team. Yeah, you got a practice squad option. You've got the option of just being cut altogether. And then there's the crazy scenario where you play really, really well and ultimately you make the team. Which would be hard to do from a guy that wasn't even initially signed to an undrafted free agent contract. So it's a long, difficult road for Jordan Tamu, But I think he's a guy that's going to get an opportunity, maybe even with multiple teams, to, to try Chad Kelly is an example of a player who drafted at the last pick of the draft, goes to the Broncos, impressed, after he sat out for a full year getting healthy. So he has a year with the organization, completely sits out, tries to get healthy, plays really well in their preseason, makes the team, slides into the backup role before the wheels come off. And they came off in a really big way. He was going to start there, if that didn't happen. You think? Yep. I mean, I know we kind of all wanted to see that and felt like it was trending in that direction. Did you watch Case Keenum? And the Denver fans wanted it badly.
3: He was a couple weeks away. I guess there's no way to say for sure it would have happened, but it was trending closer than it ever had been before when the incident took place.
1: The car was headed that way until the tires blew. And now there's a chance that Chad Kelly is going to Indianapolis. This
2: is it, right? It's got to be. his last chance. Well, you thought this last one would be his last chance. It goes to show you that if you're talented enough and what you do isn't so bad, somebody will find a way to continue to play you.
3: Having an uncle with a solid rep probably helps a little bit in this case too. Yeah, but at some point that's not enough
1: anymore, right? I mean, that probably helps. If he's with the not Jim
3: Kelly's, ne- I'm not saying like he's he's probably getting it mostly because he's talented. But is he getting this shot if he's not Jim Kelly's nephew? Tough to say. Except for the fact that he looked good when he played on the field, he did, and that's probably most of it because the NFL is kind of the ultimate. Meritocracy in that sense, to where, like, if you're if you're if you have talent, like, they'll excuse baggage to a degree. I just wonder how much it factors into it.
1: Yeah, and the good news for Chad Kelly is that his baggage is very different than some of the other baggage that we're seeing that's having to be dealt with in the NFL right now.
3: Yeah, like walking into a wrong house and getting beat with a vacuum cleaner is not exactly a hot button trendy issue.
1: No. No, it's not. Stuart Mandel from the. When you say it out loud. I was trying to be. Yeah. A guy attacks him with the tube of a vacuum cleaner. I mean, whatever you got handy, I guess. Fortunate for Chad Kelly that that's all that the guy had handy.
2: Yeah, but at that Uh, point, just use your hands. I mean. Well, what is a vacuum cleaner tube going to do that your fist can't do? That's why you get a baseball bat, because that would hurt more. But a vacuum tube? Well, I, I, I poked my dog like suction, with it though. to play with them.
1: Those old school vacuum cleaner tubes, I mean, those are pretty stout. We're not talking about like a, wobble, like a waffly one. No, it wasn't hard turned on, ones. was it? No, not a plastic one. When you think vacuum, like go old school, Borky, to your grandmother's vacuum cleaner. You had to lug around the house, and you know it was on wheels, and then attached with a cord, and then you had the long metal tube. Are we sure that that's had what that what was, was here? Maybe the that's guy was what just
2: I a wuss and reached and just grabbed
3: whatever he could. TMZ didn't do enough digging.
1: Stuart Mandell from the Athletic has put out his post-spring top twenty-five. Borky, do you want to ask your question before I give the top twenty-five? Yeah. So, what can you learn about? Watching
2: a spring game, that changes the way you look at a team going into a season.
3: Absolutely nothing. You learn how to put out a content piece.
2: Right. You do. But there's a rare case, I think, for Ole Miss, even though it doesn't really change what I think their win-loss capability is going to be, you know just by one spring game that the look schematically and the fact that the defense can actually line up appropriately uh, more than one play in a row, that they're going to at least look differently but that doesn't change their personnel or, or anything like that. And they're a rare exception where they changed both coordinators and on resume, just resume, they were big-time upgrades. But that still doesn't make them go from a 5-win team to a 9-win team in your projections. So what can you do watching spring games that actually teaches
1: you something that you didn't know about your team? I think there's very little. And, and very little because... So many teams hold guys out to try and get them healthy in the spring. You have no contact on your quarterback. You're transitioning from guys that you lost to who might be able to contribute. So you can call it a post-spring top 25, but really it's a off-season top 25. I mean, li- listen to the teams that are in here, and you tell me if it's because of what happened in the spring or because how they finished a year ago. Clemson 1, Bama 2, Georgia 3, Oklahoma 4. Kind of going out on a limb there with those teams in the top four. LSU, five. Kind of a step forward is Joe Burrow going to take this year? If he takes a significant step forward. Yeah, it's, that, that he's the X
2: factor because if he's the same guy he was last year, they'll end up losing three games just like they did last year.
1: Notre Dame, six. Texas, Seven. Ohio State 8, Penn State 9, Florida at number 10. Felipe Franks is going to win that job and perform well this year for Florida, right?
2: Yeah, I don't think, and maybe he is, I just don't notice it. Dan Mullen's not getting enough credit for the job that he did in year one.
1: Michigan at 11. Shea Patterson will be a senior. Utah at 12. Auburn 13. That feels high.
3: I was thinking Notre Dame too. They could be hit by a plague and still ranked in the top ten. Yeah,
1: I, I, I should have said that when we were at Notre Dame at six. Iowa State at fourteen, Oregon fifteen, Texas A and M sixteen. It actually feels a little low to me. Washington it may be spoiler it's...
2: this year, don't you agree? No. Say what? It may be a spoiler this year, A and M. Might ruin no. a season, specifically Alabama or LSUs. I don't think they're ready just yet to be like a national power, but wouldn't be surprised at all if they sneak up and beat. Well, they've got Clemson on the schedule, too. Wouldn't be surprised if they sneak up and beat one of those three when they're not supposed to.
3: And finish second in the West. Probably, yeah. I mean, Not probably, but there's a path.
1: Washington at 17. You know who's going to be starting at quarterback for Washington this year? Jacob Eason. Jake Eason. Jacob Eason. He's tall. He is tall, and he's got a big (laughs) arm. Kind of moves like a statue.
3: Worked out for Daniel Jones.
1: Iowa at 18. Is Daniel Jones a better athlete than Jacob Eason? (laughs) Yeah, he can run a little bit, actually. I mean,
2: I think he had 180 rushing yards in a game this year, something like that.
1: Iowa at 18 and Wisconsin at 19. Feels like the most Iowa and Wisconsin preseason, offseason, post-spring rankings ever. The what? Not knowing anything about them, I would slot Iowa at 18 and Wisconsin at 19.
3: They're going to run the ball.
1: Northwestern at 20, Syracuse at 21, Cincinnati with Luke Fickle as their head coach at 22, coming off a really good season. UCF at 23, when will we learn? Missouri at 24, Fresno State at number 25. That's from The Athletic, your post-spring practice college football
4: top 25.